Hello and welcome to the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight I'm delighted to welcome along a singer-songwriter who ended last year sharing a stage with the likes of Paul Weller and Ocean Colour Scene, John Rush. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, uh, thanks very much for, for inviting me. How are we? Good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's a run of about 10 podcasts in 10 days that I'm doing here, uh, oh, which nice isn't a charity nice. endeavour or anything like that. It's just <laughs> me trying to fill the diary as much as I can. Nice. So. Good. Good. That's what's needed. Everybody needs to fill their diary. That's it. And we're off to a good start here. We had a really good podcast with Silver Hard last night, and then we've got yourself right. tonight. So welcome along again. And those support slots seem like an obvious place to start. Yeah, How did they man. come about? And I, I know from speaking to, to David John Blair that those, uh, or that Ocean Colour scene gig at the Barrowlands, that came about in quite dramatic circumstances. I well, I um, so the the Paul Weller gig um, was the Monday, Monday, Tuesday before the week before. I can't remember the dates just now, man, but it was the Monday, Tuesday, and I got the phone call from Regular Music on the Sunday. Um, I think there, Paul Weller support had got maybe like a text message saying he was connected or he was beside someone who had COVID or whatever. But um, yeah, I got a phone call on the Sunday. I was in a bath and I just got a text message from uh, Rochelle from regular just saying, can you phone me as soon as possible? And I, So I gave her a phone and I was like, what's up? And she was like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, oh, not much, man. I don't think anything's happening. Like we've got a gig maybe in a couple of weeks time, but nothing really. And she was like, eh, Paul Weller's looking for a support act and your names came up are you available and I was like yes I am <laughs> so I didn't even ask where it was or what, when or it was it was just yes whatever it is I'm there so um, yeah it turns out he was needing support for the Barrowlands um, and uh, Aberdeen Music Hall which I've, I've never played before I played Barrowlands weirdly the week before with my band um, for Cayley Fest supporting Hipsway so within yeah, within 21 days or 22 days, I think it was, I'd played Barrowlands three times um, to, to sell it shows, which was just unreal, unreal. Um, with the Ocean Colour scene gig, I mean, without running past Paul Weller, Paul Weller is like the nicest guy I've ever met. He sat with me while I was setting up uh, to do a sound check, sat with me, spoke to me about Glasgow and how he loved playing there and... Yeah, it was, it was unreal because the whole time he was speaking, I probably missed half the conversation because I was just staring at his face thinking, you're Paul Weller. And there was like, I couldn't get over the fact that he was just sitting there just chatting as if I knew him. And I was like, I don't know you and you don't know me. <laughs> like, you're Paul Weller. It was kind of freaking me out a wee bit. I kind of definitely got starstruck for the, yeah, I think for the first time, really. I'd, I'd never met anybody of that clout before. That's really um, cool. But yeah, then I... I it was unreal. It was unreal, mate. It was re really like, I. It was a, a just a moment, like a, an opportunity that was a fluke of some kind. Like a lot of people have said in the past that I'm an opportunist, and I mean to get a phone call in the bath to say that you're supporting Paul Weller the morrow is. I mean, I, I, I don't know how that worked out, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> There's like I'm reading Dave Grohl's book just now, and uh, he talks about when he was playing. And uh, Scream, which was like a really kind of hardcore punk band at the start of his career. Uh -huh. And uh, they were playing a venue, I'm trying to, I think it was in Toronto, but 
anyway, they were called in to sound check really, really early on. And they were wondering, why are we, why are we sound checking at midday when we're not on until 9, 10 o'clock tonight? Uh-huh. And it turned out that Iggy Pop was doing a a show for record industry big wigs wow. at the venue at 6 o'clock. Now, Grohl obviously absolutely massive in his, yeah. his punk music and Iggy Pop being the, the kind of figurehead of all that. It was... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Was beside himself at the prospect that he might be in the same place, but they, they said no, no, it's just industry people that will be allowed in the venue. Right. So they had uh-huh. to kind of retreat to the, the van. <laughs> as as fate would have it, he actually needed a drummer. So there was a, a chap in the door of the van and invited him in to, to see if he would like to, to jam with no him. And uh the bassist also got to play later on in the night as well. But he was saying that it was the most surreal thing about it was. He's got this persona on the stage, and I'm sure yeah, that we yeah. could tell about a thousand podcasts telling stories about <laughs> you've heard about Iggy Pop. But yeah, yeah, when he was actually just conversing with him one on one, he was the most normal, humble guy in the world. And it's just, it's almost as if a, as if a switch flicked, and suddenly yeah. it becomes this performer, this larger than life character. But yeah, definitely, on a one to one level, just completely normal person. Yeah, I think they're the. I mean, it's they're the they're the people you want to meet. Do you know what I mean? The, I can imagine fame changes a lot of people, but the people it doesn't change, and they're just like they remember. They they don't forget where they came from, and they don't forget what they they had to do in the past to get to where they were. So they the I, I think they're the people who make it and succeed in the in this industry. Do you know what I mean? They're the people who are, who are always going to be regarded the highest, I can imagine. Um, I'd, I'd just say, like, yeah, from things that I've, people I've met, Chris Helm from the Seahorses was, like, one of my heroes, like, growing up 13, 14 years old. I just listened to the Seahorses album, like, on repeat for years, it would seem. But meeting him for the first time, he he became... Yeah, I could say that he's probably a friend of mine now. Like I can I can give him my phone if I want to, if I need to give him a phone or whatever. But just that that was like the first person that I met who who had been so big in my eyes anyway, and for a lot of other people. But is to speak to him, he's such a just such a, an amazing guy, such a beautiful guy, man. It's I think they're the people that we've got to look after. Yeah, absolutely. So We'll move on and, and talk about the, the circumstances that led to the, the OCS gigs. It was again, it was a bit last minute, wasn't it? It was very last minute. I mean, again, it was like a week after the Paul Weller gig, so it was it was just one of the days where I, I had to phone David and be like, "What is actually going on? <laughs> like, what's happening?" Um, it was luckily I think uh, regular music had already reached out for the Paul Weller gig, and I think I was just in their in their mind. That's all. Like, I don't think it was because they specifically wanted me to support them maybe, but I, it was just, I was in their, in their thoughts uh, for the week before. But um, yeah, regular music phoned me and asked if I could support Delimitri uh, for, for two gigs. And it was like, can you get there tonight? Um, and that was with the Bison family who were supposed to be supporting them. But I think one of them out of the five got a text message. So they all had to like bail out. Um, so yeah, Delamitri was supposed to be Sterling, um, Albert Halls, and then it was Usher Hall in Edinburgh the next night. Um, so I got that phone call at like 10 in the morning, and then at, by 12, I got a phone call saying, 
the whole thing's been cancelled. Like Delamici has decided that it's not, it's not. Um, yeah, they, they didn't feel right about putting on the gig. Um, they had to cancel their NHS gig, which which was in the Sunday in the Barrowlands, but the the Tuesday Wednesday was, yeah, the aforementioned shows. So they they cancelled that, which was a kind of roller coaster feeling, um, to be. Yeah, to be asked to, to support Delamitri and then think, oh my God, like I'm going to be playing these these stages with, with these guys who I, I loved growing up as well. Um, to then, yeah, for that that rug to be took away from under my feet was it was just intense. And then I was like, wow, that's that's just the kick in the teeth that I'd, from the the high of last last week supporting Paul Weller um, to the the low of okay, you're not you're not doing this show that you've just been asked to do it was a bit of a, a bit of a gutter but then like two or three hours later I got another phone call for regular music saying we're really sorry about the hassle of this morning and really apologise for it all being yes and then no um, situation but um, does that mean you're free tonight <laughs> and I was like I just kind of huffed I was like what else is going to happen here yeah I'm, I'm, I'm available and uh, yeah Ocean Colour scene needed a support act for the Bannerlands gig. Um, that was, I think it was Dylan, Dylan John Thomas that was supporting them. And he got a text message saying, so basically I, I sat in the house just waiting for phone calls. I think that, that, that was the feeling that I had for three weeks, just waiting on someone dropping out of something and then I would be the super sub at some point. It was, uh, yeah, it was mental. It was crazy. And the, 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 the crowd for the Ocean Colour scene was... A wee bit more, yeah. They just seemed a bit more up for it. I think they're the same crowd as Paul Weller, but they're just maybe a bit younger and they're just wild. And they were there from the start to the finish. Like I would say that it was nearly 70-80% capacity when I was playing. So it was it was just a phenomenal feeling and yeah, a moment that I'll I'll remember forever, I can imagine. I've certainly noticed that uh, gigs that I've been to since things opened up in August, that the support acts are, are getting a much bigger crowd than, than they previously would have had. Even the likes of the bar is where there's a, obviously a downstairs bar that's got yeah. no view of the stage whatsoever. It's very rare that you see people congregating down there. They, they seem to straight away go up the stairs and make sure they're making the most of it. And, and I guess that makes perfect sense, given that there was 15, 16 months without yeah, exactly, man. People have missed it, and any sort of music is is uh, much appreciated from anyone. Do you know what I mean? You notice that when you were doing like the live Zoom things, or even just live Facebook or Instagram gigs. It was the numbers kept going up because people really need it. Do you know what I mean? It's not as it's not a rocket science to to understand why music's probably the only universal language in the world. It's it's really needed for people and. When when that gets took away from you, it's 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 a bitter sort of uh, pill to swallow. When you really, when all you want is just to be around mates and listen to music that makes you remember stuff, or you're you're making new memories. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's the one thing that's it's really needed. Yeah, it really is. Given that 2021 ended in in a few major highs. Has the as a beginning to this year been a bit of a contrast to that? It it does feel that we're we're in the midst of a wee bit of a lull period and yet another period of uncertainty, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean it is it's uncertain, but I think 
I think with what we've learned from the year before is like we will get through it. Like it's going to be for eight weeks of really like yeah, you can't do this, can't do that. And then when it when the doors open, it's just going to all kick off again. And it's now that everybody's went through it at least once or maybe twice now. It's 2022 and lockdown began in 2020. So like it's. I think everybody's well equipped for it now. So the the gigs haven't dried up, man. Like we've already penciled in three three gigs and three festivals as well. So well we're, we're not letting up on the fact that right now that seems a bit uncertain. Like we we very much assume that it's gonna be yeah, the floor to floor to foot foot to the floor um as of March, April time. And just a final one on that, the the statement from the Snuts uh, on Friday where they, they cancelled a lot of their headline gigs mm-hmm. owing to the circumstances of of the current time. I, th- I thought that was quite interesting as a, as an outsider looking in, the the kind of precarious nature of it. If, if one of them yep. catches COVID or one of the crew catches COVID, then obviously there's an isolation process for for the rest. Yeah. What I... What I noted most about that, though, was how understanding the vast majority of people were. It's kind of almost an approach of, do you know what? It's possibly a good idea not to to go ahead with it just now. Come April, March, April time, we'll be raring to go. The world will still be turning come then, and we can yeah. get on with things in a in a more stress-free environment. That must be kind of reassuring that, that people are willing to wait. They're, they're not going to throw the toys out the pram and act as if it's the, the end of the world because something's had to be put back a couple of months. That yeah, I think... We're adjusted think to the waiting game. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. We've adjusted to it. Do you know what I mean? Like in maybe early 2020 when gigs were getting cancelled, it was like, God, what's... It was just the uncertainty and unknown. Like, But now, yeah, it's, it's a year and a half, nearly two years later. It's like we... We know that, that it's going to happen. Like it's not. I mean, it might even be the case that for the next couple of years, every Christmas we all go into a bit of a lockdown for eight weeks until we we get over. Like it's obviously this is when we, everybody gets a bit ill anyway, and we're a bit more, um, yeah, we're a bit more open to to getting like illnesses and stuff. But as soon as March hits, like I, I definitely don't see any issues of. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any doors being closed at that point. It's, I'm hoping, I'm just, I'm being very, very uh, optimistic, obviously. But yeah, I'm just thinking March time, let's all just go for it. But right now, maybe we just need to be a bit more, um, yeah, a bit more subdued about it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I'll get the, <clears throat> the usual generic question out of the way. For, for those that mm-hmm. haven't heard your music, John, how would you describe your your sound and your style, and, and can you give us a wee bit of background as, as how you started out as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it's really not for me to say who or what I sound like, I suppose, but I'd, I'd, I love folk music. I love 60s and 70s sort of music. I love Dylan. I love the Beatles. I love, I even love Elvis. Like, I'm a massive Elvis fan, so like that kind of skiffly acoustic with a, maybe a little bit of a backbeat in the, there is what I kind of tend to try and go for um, my vocals. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people have mentioned really Montaigne and stuff like that, which is a bit insane for for his name to be mentioned in mine. But I suppose it's an easy contrast. Like I, I suppose it's a bit 
bit rough, went a bit shouty when I need to be, and yeah, it's as yeah, I struggle to kind of um, tell you what I sound like, but I if you like Oasis and you like the Beatles and you like Dylan and you like all that stuff, then yeah, maybe you like me. <laughs> and you've been releasing music for for a long time now. I, I don't want to freak you out, but as part of my research. And I do do quite a bit of research, you'll be surprised to know that. <laughs> Eight years ago, last Thursday, so the, the 6th of January, marked eight years since money was uploaded on Spotify. Wow, eight years. There you go, that, that's the fun fact of the podcast. We could finish it there because it's not going to get any better, I promise. <laughs> it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better, I'm just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying... Just... Um... That's weird. That's weird. I didn't even think it was that long ago, but I. How would you describe, and this is an absolute perler of a question, and <laughs> putting you on the spot here, but how would you describe the journey between 2014 and, and 2022? So it's, it's obviously been a, a long road, but one that's had, had quite a lot of twists and turns along the way. Yeah. Um, for from In a personal sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say... Um, within within that eight eight years, I've learned uh, to be myself a bit more. Um, I've learned to I've learned to um, just enjoy what I'm doing. I think when I was yeah, I would say maybe eight ten years ago when I was like twenty five twenty six, I would I was trying to be this like serious song singer songwriter, and I would if I was on stage, I would just be like going through. The songs and not really talking in between and I suppose it came across a bit arrogant but I was just a bit shy to speak and not really I just didn't want to I knew my, my voice was decent so I would rather just sing instead of speak to people but now you can't even you probably you're lucky to come to a gig of mine and get five songs out of me because I would rather speak than, than sing these days I like uh, enjoying myself and speaking to to people that I can I can at least see their face I like uh, coaxing them into just a bit of a conversation now, um, so I've definitely learnt a lot about myself and just became and and just more happy in my skin, I suppose. Instead of maybe try to be something that I wasn't, I'm I'm just me. I don't think there's much difference between the person who kicks about and goes for a coffee or the person who sits and sings a song. Now I think they're very similar people. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And going through your career, there's been plenty of, of what could be described as, as bucket list moments. I'd like to focus on one just now, if you don't mind, and that would be uh-huh. the, the mini tour of, of New York in 2018. How yeah. did that come about, and how big an opportunity was it to perform your songs across the water? Um, I've always, I've always loved the place. Like, you, like I'm a massive Beatles fan, so like anything like Shea Stadium when the Beatles were first playing in America, that was like New York, and then obviously Lennon had stayed there for five years. Uh, before he before he sadly passed away, but so that New York was always there in my in the back of my mind that I really wanted to go over there and I really wanted to play at least on on a stage somewhere in in America, New York in particular. Um, so really, I don't know. I can't remember how. I think it may have been Mick Hargan was the first person to kind of reach out and say, "Who is a singer songwriter for Glasgow?" If you don't know, but um, to to reach out and say he knew a guy over there who could maybe help us out and get us a gig or two, um, called uh, Niall Connolly, um, an Irish guy who stays over there who's an amazing guy. Um, 
amazing singer-songwriter as well. If you ever get the chance to ever listen to him, please do. Um, yeah, so I ended up reaching out to him and he kind of organised a few gigs for me. And yeah, it was just it was just one of the things. It was, again, it was just one of the, the things that just happened. Like it, it, it didn't take too much thought or process. It was basically, I was getting a plane ticket and I was going regardless of what was happening. And I had ended up busking in Strawberry Fields for like two days before my gigs just to, yeah, just to, to get out there and play to people. And I don't know if you've ever been in New York or uh, Central Park where the Strawberry Fields is, like uh, the John Lennon Memorial. Like every 20 minutes, there's a there's another tour, a walking tour coming through to see the John Lennon Memorial. So playing, it's 100%. And I don't even think you get away with playing Beatles songs in Liverpool as much as that right there. If you play Beatles songs, it's, yeah, it's printing money basically. <laughs> just if you're busking, you're and you know a few Beatles songs, you're good. Even just five minutes worth, and just wait for the next crowd to come along and play the same five minutes. You're you're all right. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I think it was just something that I really wanted to do, and I think it was more of more of like kind of that journey of finding out about myself. Like I went myself. I wasn't with anyone. I just went, just me and my guitar. And yeah, if you. Yeah, you learn a lot about yourself when you're just yourself traveling, which was which was amazing. Um, and then it, it ended playing on the our, our rooftop uh, for Sofa Sounds in New York um, to like 50, 60 people all just sitting on a, on rugs watching you sing, which I ended up laughing halfway through a song because I was just like, "How mental is this?" <laughs> <laughs> it just was one of the one of the yeah. There's a lot of the the moments where I just. I need to kind of head check myself and remember how lucky I am because it's definitely luck that's got me anywhere. Interesting that because I was actually having a conversation with someone else the other day and it was kind of likened to, to a Scottish footballer spreading their wings and going and playing in Italy or something like that. But in terms <laughs> of, like, they were discussing uh, South by Southwest mm -hmm. and almost the kind of concerns that they had about the financial implications of, of playing it, of course, it's a yeah, huge yeah. opportunity, but there's there's so many acts on the bill. It's it'd be impossible to to fund them all to come over. Uh, yeah, Texas so is that. I think that there's there's always that kind of taking the the leap of faith and backing yourself enough to to go over and knowing that it's going to it's going to come good for you type of thing. Which, yeah, it, definitely, which is man. never guaranteed, but it's uh I think it's, if you it must be a bit of a quandary. Yeah, I think if you go over without the thought of I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna make it and I'm gonna be like this big superstar before I come back, it's like you just go over and, and say yes to a few things and just enjoy what, what you're doing. Like it, I think that's the, the one piece of advice I've always now I'm ancient and old and grey I can I can now look back and go I wasted a lot of time just being this angry young guy who just thought the world owed him something like if you just go and enjoy yourself and just take it all in you 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 get the rewards back regardless of what it is you know what I mean it's it doesn't need to be um doesn't need to be money wise it doesn't need to be like you get a deal or you get this big gig that you play it's it's just how mental is it that you get to just sit in a stool and sing a song to someone, do you know what I mean? There's 
not a lot of people get to do that. Not a lot of people get that much enjoyment out of it either. So it's once you you give yourself that slap, it's when you start really enjoying it. And and it comes across if you're enjoying it, then other people will start to enjoy it as well, which I, I definitely see. In 2019, the, the album Beneath the Apple Tree was released, and you've had limited time, obviously, to to tour. The album due to the, the circumstances that we've already discussed earlier on, but the yeah. The album itself, clearly the culmination of, of many years of hard work. Yeah, I mean, the, the oldest song on that is, I mean, it's t- 12 years old now, probably older. Like, there's, there's songs on that that I wrote when I was 24, 25. Like, a song called You and I, I wrote when I was at 24. And then the kind of newest song on that album is maybe the song Beneath the Apple Tree. Like, there's a, a 12-year gap between the, those songs. And I... I I remember reading a, it was like, like a magazine that was, it was trying to tell you how to get a, a record deal. And it was like, don't think that just because your new song, just because just cause you've wrote a new song doesn't mean it's better than your old one. Um, and when I was putting that album together, I, I definitely had that in my mind of not to just try and, I've got all these new songs, so I'm going to do an album. Like I was definitely looking back and thinking it was more of a, I suppose it's it's a, uh, like a bulk of work of it's basically a diary I remember why I wrote that song and I remember why I wrote all the rest of them so within a 10 year period a lot happened but yeah the 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 fire of trying to write a decent song was always there I think I guess another thing or another element of that is that over that lengthy period of time performing these songs they become part of you that become something that those that come along and support you kind of link to you as well so so to kind of turn your back in, in your older material because you're about to release an album that would maybe be a difficult thing as well for people to to adjust to and kind of accept when it came to the live shows yeah yeah I suppose um I think I think when I was recording it what I, what I did feel is uh, it took me two days to record that so I'd, we set up all the mics and I just played everything live so that the acoustic and the guitar isn't separated in any way and what I did realise is like the, the kind of older songs were the easiest ones to do like I, I maybe took two or three takes in each track but the older ones were like it took me one take because I'd been playing these songs and I knew that song inside out there was there was very little chance of me making a mistake like of their songs um, and I really enjoyed that process I'd never really yeah I think when you when you when you hire a studio you do think right I need to use every instrument in this building because I'm paying for it but in reality it's not always the best thing like I, I think uh, I learned a lot from that recording studio and recording with Liam McCluskey as well who who is like from a pop background and does like things with like heights and bems as well he He's definitely a pop guy, um, but he he recognised that the best way to do this album was just for me to sit in front of your mic and just sing. Um, and I, I'm forever grateful for that because I, I do think it came across. It, it came across the songs were meant, do you know what I mean? And the, the, like the, the meaning behind the lyrics and stuff like that definitely came across because it was a, a performance more than a, a, re, a recording in a studio. Right about the time of the album released, you signed for 23 Music Management. 
Yeah. How important is the, the guidance and the influence of, of David John Blair being? I've had the, the privilege to kind of get to know him pretty well. And his, his enthusiasm for all the acts on his label yeah. is, is infectious. And I think I think that's a massive thing to have someone of his, his stature and his influence back in your corner. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've worked with managers in the past when I was a bit younger and it, they always seem to have an idea of what you should be. Um, and I, I never really liked that. It didn't really always, it didn't sit right with me, I don't think, because, yeah, I don't believe in that. I, I believe that the, the person who's doing, who, who's writing the songs and who's performing them, and they probably know a lot better than a manager, I think, and that David is from from the start has just let me get on with what I want to do in the studio. He doesn't he doesn't get involved in that stuff. And I'd, I'd, it, it's worked so well because he just, whatever I give him, he believes in it because he knows that I believe in it. So it's, it's uh, yeah, I've never came across a manager like him. He's, he just lets me get on with my day and then I, we have a chat and organise gigs and then we move on. <laughs> he's a he's he's an amazing guy. And I think he's possibly the only person that was in the Barrowlands more than you were in December as well. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, unreal. Well, after the, the kind of the interlude of the the period of of gigs over live streaming and, and such like, you finally got back to to things uh, capers and canic started it all off and then you had a number of, of festivals following that. St. Luke's, a, a sellout in, in your hometown. That must have been such a, a liberating experience after months and months of just waiting, getting ready to, to get back to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the festivals were, were phenomenal and like the, just to see people's faces, do you know what I mean? Just to see human interaction was like... I couldn't ask for a, a better present after coming out of lockdown, but the, the St. Lutz gig, and a big shout out to St. Lutz because they, they helped us a lot, but they we had to move that gig like four times. Um, and in the end, we got there, but it, it came off really well. Like we, It was all seated. Um, the acts that were playing before us as well were phenomenal. And it was just it was just one of the nights again. It was just one of the times where you, you're just so happy to see everyone and Everybody was euphoric. I would, I would put it that way. There was a lot of drink. <laughs> there, there is, it's often kind of thrown out as a cliche that there, there's nothing like a, a Glasgow crowd. But having played ac- across the UK yourself, I, I, th- I think you'd find it hard to argue that there is anything that beats a, a Glasgow crowd. No, definitely not, man. Like even just going to gigs that I'm not playing at, you can tell that everybody's just so happy and that that was uh, like kind of takes us back to Paul Weller Paul Weller sitting speaking to me was saying that he he doesn't see another place in the world that's like Glasgow and he, he remembers playing the Apollo on its final night um, the one that was on Soccer Hall Street and he uh, it, I, I think he must have been with the jam at the time 82, 83 or something um, and yeah, he said that they just, everybody just wrecked the place because they knew that this was the last night that Apollo was going to be open. And he was like, but that's what you want at an end of a gig. And I was like, well, man, aye. Well, Glasgow's definitely got to do that for you, regardless if the place is going to shut or not. They'll probably just wreck the place anyway. <laughs> we'll do it with a smile on their face, though. 
Oh, 100%. There's no aggression. It's just everybody's having a laugh. But it's just funny. <laughs> it's funny how this wall could come down. It's <laughs> 100% right as well. Mm-hmm. We've discussed how 2021 ended, and there was also the release of The Apple Doesn't Fire. Oh, oh, let's try that one again. We've discussed how <laughs> we've discussed how 2021 ended, but there was also the release of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Took yep. me three attempts to say that there. <laughs> but firstly, there's a lot of references to apples. Yeah, I mean, I've never noticed this until it got pointed out to me when I was releasing this song, and then I, I thought, God, I'd even just fruit in general, because I've got a song called "The Older the Grape, the Sweeter the Wine." So there's a, there's a lot of just references to, to fruit. I think I really got into like an apple and I did think like the seed of an apple, when the seed of an apple falls, then there's another tree grows. It's, I think it's, um, yeah, not to get too deep and philosophical for you, but it was very much uh, a thought process of like, I've, I really got into this like concept of an apple being like the start and end of, of stuff. So then... Beneath the apple tree was just a nice, a nice thought to be underneath an apple tree singing a song. But I think the the, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Is obviously a well known saying, but it was it was it fitted well just because it was about my dad. So I, I thought I had this concept in my head about an apple and how stuff grows from an apple. Then yeah, I've grew from my dad, so I, I thought it, it fitted well. I think that's my last, but I'll, I'll try not mention any fruit for the next year or two and then I'll probably get back on it oh, I like it we've, we've managed to go from <laughs> talking about people in Glasgow wrecking things to discussing apples at quite some length there, so <laughs> and not many podcasts will you get that <laughs> that's, that's what I bring to the table mate that's what I bring to the table <laughs> that's what the people are tuning in for that is it <laughs> number two on the singer songwriter chart and and iTunes uh, for the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That must give you a lot of motivation in times where things are a wee bit more difficult or a wee bit quieter, like just now. That there's a demand for your music. There's a there's a real hunger hunger for it. And when that yeah, time man, comes, where... I think uh, definitely what I, f- I felt over that weekend was um, a sense of community. Like uh, I don't like banging on about Facebook. I don't really. I I don't want a like say social media is the way forward or anything but I, that day so the the morning I got a text message saying it's at number 52 on the singer songwriters chart and at, at that I was like that's amazing that it's number 52 and then as it got shared on Facebook and kept getting other messages it's went up another couple it's went up another couple and within I think it hot about maybe three o'clock or something it was at number two and that was like I I wasn't even doing anything on Facebook at that point. You know what I mean? It was just it just kept getting shared by all my friends and family and stuff. And the the power of it, I I did feel a sense of community there, where it was just let's get this done, let's get this up and up and up. And I I couldn't thank everybody uh, more just because that's that's just another thing that I can put in the CV that is it went number two and maybe just for that day, but I, it doesn't matter, man. It went number two and that's that's enough for me. And it's all down to, yeah, people posting it and people sharing it and hopefully people liked it as well. They didn't just share it for the sake of it, but it was, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing experience just to watch it happening and just chunk, chunk every, every kind of 
half hour every hour it was just going up a couple it was it was phenomenal I don't think there's any doubt that, that people like it I, only speaking for myself but in terms of I, I, I wouldn't go out and support something just to kind of join a, a fad or anything like that I think, I think yeah yeah and I, I think that sense of community that you mentioned as well it's something that, that so many artists and bands have brought up in this podcast that Whereas back in the day, you might have got quite a lot of, of bitterness and infighting, and that's that's all been put to one side for a, a kind of greater good, perhaps yeah, because yeah. there was a wee bit of a an element of survival mode uh, during the worst parts of the pandemic. But but now it's actually just kind of seems to have stemmed a lot of friendships and a, a lot of good contacts amongst people, which which can only bode well, especially for the for the music loving public that they're going to get bands touring together that they're really going to enjoy. It's going to give bigger platforms for, for bands in terms of support slots. I think it can only be beneficial for everyone going forward. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's the, definitely the silver lining of it all. Like, so obviously it's, it's been horrible and it would be amazing if it just didn't happen at all. But I think um, that whole not us against them, but us against it, maybe is <laughs> more more like along the lines of what you want to say about it. But it's um I would I would say even just the online thing, I d I didn't do that at all before um before the pandemic. And then I started to realise that this was like I was getting messages from people that I hadn't spoken to in years and years and like maybe 20 years and they were like, Thank God you've been doing this because it's really like gave me something to to watch or something to look forward to in a couple of days' time while everybody's sitting in the house, and you t- you tend to maybe forget about that sort of stuff, and you you maybe get a little bit selfish, and you you just want to go do a big gig, and you don't really think about all this. You don't really think about the stuff where it's maybe someone can't get to a gig. Do you know what I mean? And they don't ever really get to see people play gigs, or don't really ever get to hear you have a wee laugh and sing some songs online. So. It's definitely opened those kind of avenues for for everybody just to do it a bit more. I think um, even tonight I was watching my mate Jared Dickinson, who's based in New York, and he was doing one that he, had, he hadn't done one for a, maybe like a couple of months, but he's back doing them again. And I just thought it was really nice that I hadn't seen him do one of them really before the pandemic, and then I was watching him a lot during during it, but. I don't really get to see him that often because he's over in New York. So it was really nice to just to get to get to see these things happen more. And I hope it uh, it's something that continues. And I'll definitely be doing uh, more as as the the months go on. It's really interesting you say that because I think that it was kind of a, a staple part of of my experience during lockdown that I I found quite a lot of comfort and solace through. There was the kind of more imaginative stuff like stuff that Mark Sharp and the bicycle thieves did that I, I thought was really yeah, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I, I watched every single one of Frank Turner's stuff despite the fact he didn't really he didn't really mix it up but he just had such a, a catalogue of songs that he could go through and yeah yeah and actually that I think there is merit for for these things. There must be a world where both could exist. Of course I'm sure that artists and bands and Whatever we won't want to to be playing twenty thirty home shows 
a year, but yeah. I, I think yeah. that I think the live streaming thing there is there is scope to to make it work, and it can exist in a world where there is live music as well because it, a, it's it's a more convenient option first and foremost. But I, I think yeah. it, it also, as you said, it, it maybe opens doors to to people that wouldn't go to gigs normally or are not able to go for for whatever reason. So yeah, I, I think there's. It's a lot of positive things, and ju- just generally, like having something like that to look forward to at a time where many of us were were struggling with our, our mental health and yeah, things yeah. like that. It, it was it was a huge lift. It, it just shows the power of music as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it helped me. It was it was part of my like it was part of my week that I'd I'd done at least three a week. I was I played every Sunday, and there was the odd one that I would do a Friday night or a Saturday night, and maybe one during the week. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely part of my like process of helping my brain. Like it, it, again, it was maybe in a selfish way that I needed to do that. Like it was, it, I couldn't have sat and done nothing for for that length of time. It just it couldn't have happened. Um, so then when I started doing it, it definitely just gave me a bit of a purpose. And yeah, it was, I it was just it was amazing to to just see and and yeah, as you say, man, like. It's there's definitely a there's definitely a world where both of these things can exist, and I think even just with, with like immersive TV stuff, and there will be gigs that are now half and half, like and that that's just going to be the norm, and I think it should be. Completely agree. So in terms of twenty twenty two, we've we've covered a wee bit of the, the kind of negativity of the current situation, but we're only. The middle of January, so there's there's plenty of time for, yes. for things to improve, and we're pretty confident from speaking before we started that, that things will get better, and it won't be too long until yeah. things get better. What's what's in the pipeline for for 2022? Um, so we've got a few gigs penciled in February the 11th. We've got something that we haven't announced yet in Paisley, um, where I'm originally from. Um, I haven't played in Paisley for a, a long time, so <coughs> what can I can I try to uh, iron out the kind of uh, the details about that before we announce it? But that will that will be happening in eleventh of February, hopefully, fingers crossed. And then March the tenth, I'm supporting Steve Pilgrim, who's Paul Weathers' drummer. Um, I'm play, supporting him at Hug and Paint. And then April. I don't think anything's happening in April, but then in May, I'm going down to Liverpool to play St. Michael's Church. Um, and then hopefully uh, the day after, I'll be going to Manchester to play a gig. Um, again, that's just to be pencilled out. But then all the festivals kick in. So Eden Festival has been uh, confirmed. Uh, Dune Rabbit Hole has been confirmed. And Butte Fest has been confirmed as well. So already it's shaping up to be busy. Uh, but I'd, I would... Much prefer it to be even busier. So we're we're, we're working hard to to try and fill in a lot of dates, just because I would love to get out there and, and play as, as many places as possible this time. Because I, I never know when I'm not going to be allowed to again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, right in saying that the the room two uh, gigs been rescheduled as well for for me, is it? Oh, April. I knew there was something happening in April. So April, <laughs> Dave is going to kill me that I completely forgot about that. But April the eighth is uh, Room 2, and that's the rescheduled gig from just before Christmas, so anybody who does have a ticket for that it is valid, um, but there's still tickets available, um, and 
yeah, I'll, I'll be playing full band that night and we've already got a few songs that are, are brand new that I've only just written this week or last week. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And there'll be a new album at some point as well. Um, <coughs> myself and Liam McCluskey have been working on it for a while well, since before Christmas anyway. We've been uh, recording a few demos and stuff. So um, hopefully by early summer, um, we'll have a, another album that will probably lend itself to the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So there'll be a lot a, a different type of music than the acoustic album. Um, but a lot along the similar lines, just more instrumentation. Well, in, in terms of you, you talked up David so much earlier on the podcast, and then you just went and ruined it all there, didn't you? Oh, I know, I know, and I date all the time. He he'll he'll know that I was going to do that. <laughs> I do it all the time. Even when I'm playing gigs, he'll come up to me halfway through and say, "John, remember you mentioned this," and I'll go, "Thank God you're here." <laughs> I tend to I tend to forget a lot of stuff. It will definitely bite me in the ass when I, I get older. <laughs> Well, I'm doing all right just now. At this point, I return to the, the generic questions and ask the guest for three Scottish artists or bands that the listeners may or may not have heard of that you very much enjoy and would like to, to give a wee shout out to. Yeah, um, I would say Lindsay Clark, who just won the Paisley Music Award for Best Album. She's a, an amazing singer-songwriter, really different. I would say like she's got she brings something new to the table and um if you're looking for if you're looking for something new to listen to I would definitely re- re- recommend her album. Um <clears throat> Mick Hargan who I mentioned before he he's just released a, a new album. Um he's a singer songwriter plays in Glasgow everywhere in Glasgow so if you've if you've not bumped into him before look him up his his new album and all these EPs that he's released before and albums in, in fact are phenomenal great singer sort of real passion behind his voice and um, I wish I could I wish I had that passion when I was on stage but I'm more a kind of I'm more a, a laid-back version of him um, and who else would I say um, I mean I'd, I would say Anyone in Glasgow just now? It, it, there's so much happening. Like when you when you go online, you, everybody's posting stuff. The Deep Sea Shining uh, from Paisley's just released a single, but they're constantly releasing singles. Um, <clears throat> and like vegan leather and stuff like that. There's there's so so much happening in Paisley, um, but also Glasgow. That is, if you if you haven't yet, just go and go and find these people because they're they're doing a lot of good. Yeah, I completely agree again. And Lindsay Clark, she was on, I think it was around about the end of October. Uh, so if you've not heard Lindsay, you've also got the opportunity to check out that that podcast, then I would, I would really appreciate that. And that's pretty much all I've got for you, John. Uh, although I would, I'd like to give you the, the platform before we before we go, just to, to give a shout out to anything else that you're looking to to promote anything you've got to sell us, channel your your inner Del Boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I need David. David's always good at this stuff. I'm not the greatest at it, but yeah, I mean, I've got a few singles that have been released before, like after the album, that are, are just standalone singles. So we've got uh, the old, the great, the sweet of the wine, uh, sister. Um, I even released a Christmas single last year because I thought we all needed it. Um, so if you if you feel yourself in a, a festive mood, go and have a wee listen to that. And 
yeah, just look out for the new album and look out for the gigs that are coming up. Um, specifically, Room Two and Hug and Paint in Glasgow. There, uh, there's tickets available, and you just type in John Rush and Hug and Paint or John Rush and Room Two, and you'll you'll find those. Uh, no problem, and it would be great to to see a a happy face at these gigs. And what about social media? Just the, the kind of usual channels. Yeah, yeah, ev- everywhere. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Everything's uh, forward slash John Rush Music or John Rush Music UK. Um, yeah, you can get me on everything Twitter as well, John Rush Music UK. So, um, yeah, give me a give me a shout. Uh, I had someone yesterday from I think it was like Ohio or something like that asking the chords for drink with me under the video. So uh, it was nice to to write the lyric, uh, to write the the chords down and speak to someone a billion miles away who is interested in the song, which is quite cool. <laughs> That's absolutely class. And I, I tell you what, this has honestly been so nice. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting, John. Uh, <laughs> I said to, to so many, but it just feels like there's there's so much exciting times on the horizon and I'm sure you're going to have a great man. 2022. Definitely. I can't wait to see everybody else's stuff. And I know everybody who's been creative would have been sitting in the house writing and that it's, it's I think this year and next year is going to be really exciting for just new music and yeah new art anything anything creative is it's going to be an explosion I'm I'm looking forward to it I'll be standing in the middle with a bottle of breakfast I may join you and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but thanks again it's uh it's been an absolute pleasure chatting no thank you man really do appreciate you asking me on and um, I'll be tuning in. I'm, go- I'm going to go back and listen to Lindsay Clark's. Um, so if you haven't yet, please do so. And I'll be there. I'll be listening as well. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. I'll be back in around about 10 days' time. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Down the line Raise a glass And pour some wine Do me one more thing If you could Be so kind Drink with me Drink with me Drink with me the morning come Drink with me Drink with me Drink with me till the morning come In the morning We shall fly Waking up and knowing that we're alright Raise a smile And grab a chair Do me one more thing if you could Be so fair 
me Drink with me Drink with me till the morning comes Drink with me Drink with me Drink with me till the morning comes Any time you feel the strain Just call me up when skies are gray yeah. Any time come what may Just remember darling Things we said today Yeah Good morning.